I'm Mike Gillis. And I'm Casey Doran. And this is Radio vs. the Martians. I feel eternally bad for our IT crew for a library system. It's like six people running around with older librarians that refuse to learn. It's good times. There's there's another bit of it, too, which is that the people who are interested enough in computers to make that their job, but not interested enough in computers to be a developer, think that they are going to do be having a job that is interfacing with computers but the problem is that it's really a job about interfacing with the people who use computers and that's not necessarily have the best skill set, the skill set <laughs> for like, you know, engaging with people and helping them in a constructive way. That's a that's is an alt is a different type of skill for you to have ability for people. to. But have. you also learn that there has to be a common vocabulary so that you can explain what's going wrong with something. Um, it's, it's kind of weird. I was thinking about just the very idea of language and that language is this like imperfect tool where you try to take a thought out of one human being's head and move it into another human being's head, even though you don't think in words, really, Mm. you think in emotions and pictures and some words. And you also, you know, you can't always articulate an exact feeling because it's tied up in all of your lived experience and the fact that everything triggers a memory to something else. And you have this whole history that you're trying to then relay that feeling to another person. And you kind of understand, though, if somebody's a really good writer, that uh, their ability to translate from one brain to another at least you think they are. It triggers a thing in you, but it might not be what they were thinking. So there's always that disconnect. So we don't really know how good they are at getting their thought out. We only know how it triggers thoughts in our own brain. Grokken. Yeah. Grok. All that grokken. Grok. Grok around the clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's how you get into stuff. And I find in a weird sense that the Germans always have a fun way of creating words for things that should already have words, like schadenfreude. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of other ones, but they're always just words smashed together. That, Fluter uh, mouse. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Batman will always be Fluter mouse to yep. me or whatever. Flutter mouse is a bat. That oh, kills my me. God. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And they use that name for uh, the tick character. Yeah. The defl- <laughs> defl- defl- mouse. Fluter yeah. Deflator mouse. Deflator mouse. I don't know. Deflator mouse. I think is what they call them. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's wonderful. They're just, str- but I mean, it's weird because then you're like, oh, okay, I can see where they got that word from and it sort of reminds me from a language level that um i believe it's central washington university or eastern washington i don't know the difference it's the one that used to have there was like a habitat for chimps that lived there and had learned sign language and teaching each other sign language and that you find out how intelligent you know these other creatures are and how similar they are to us because they have like a little observatory that they can climb to in the middle of their enclosure and see students at the college walk around and they come up with their own names for things that they tell you and i think they referred to thanksgiving as bird meat day bird meat day <laughs> um they had what was it ring they called like a finger bracelet they Makes came. Sense. They named it through the vocabulary they had. Mm-hmm. They they called 
uh, masks, face hats. <laughs> face hat. <laughs> See, that is, I think, what uh, they would call, you know, the Scottish would call kennings. Ah. That, that's a that's a phrase that is, or a phrase that is meant to be a descriptive alternate way of referring to a word. And the example that I always use is whale road. That's the ocean. Yeah. A whale road, right? It, ma- it makes sense. Uh, it's in a, like it's hilarious that primates have, create kennings. Essentially, yeah, they, they have pros. They're kind of like Germans yes. in the way that they're smashing <laughs> words together to come up with a cause. But the fact that they're able to see the purpose of this is similar to this other thing. But I have to put a prefix on it. Yeah, but I mean, but that's translation, though. Anyway, isn't it? Like yeah. it's every sci-fi movie you've ever seen where they have that like uncomfortable Pocahontas moment or something, where it's like, how do we, <laughs> how do we articulate this to you, the less sophisticated of this planet or whatever? Oh. It's always there's always some sort of uh, they always start gesturally, don't they? Like mm-hmm. it's it's the same thing trying to get something out of your brain is like you're seeing it in feeling tones and colors and shapes like that and in associations, and so what do you do? You do the emotional or social equivalent of gesticulation mm-hmm. to, you know, to, it's great to do this on a podcast, especially when no one can see you gesticulating. <laughs> um, hey, that's another translation. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have to yeah. sort of take that from our words. And there's a way that you're going to say that phrase that implies you're moving your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same way you can say scare quotes. Yeah. In ways that people people can hear, they can they can imagine me moving my fingers like little rabbit ears. Mm-hmm. So there's a the, your I love this idea about the separation between when you can be f- become familiar with something purely by its sound, separated from its vision. And so the 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 or example for us is like podcasters with faces made for radio, right? Where <laughs> you get to know someone for this voice that you like and. Uh, that you like listening to because you like the personalities behind it, but you are completely divorced from what their face would be, and you're used to in your life always having those two things close together, right? Mm-hmm. Your your face is ma- and your mouth is making this noise, and so you associate the two. So I assume there's this bit of confusion when any of our listeners, if they would ever want to, which you don't need to, I'm not recommending it. Look, look us up on the internet because I'm sure there's a few pictures at least from yeah. from the olden days. I'm the one that looks like a thumb. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, it... I just, I just, uh, the finish. The thought is that uh, I'd been listening to another movie podcast for like five years and just saw a picture of one of the people who was on it, and it was the opposite of what my my brain imagined what they look like. You sort of hear that like solid snake alert sound in your head because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel right i remember this exact experience is i remember being a kid and you see a radio dj for the first time at some kind of haunted house event and they are not at all what you imagine they're sort of older and less cool yeah, yeah you always yeah. want to scream i thought you were cool you know? <laughs> you're so not cool he's got like a ponytail and stuff and like a really cool i mean not cool but like a vest you know like tassels or something like that and like paisley shirt or something and you're like well that guy plays smooth jazz yeah. you know on, on whatever station at like you know 11 o'clock at night that's the smooth or smooth jazz guy you might be correct in something like that you could probably assume that's the smooth jazz guy but it always kills you slightly on the inside where it's like okay who's the metal dj and you're just kind of like oh my God, like, I never expected you to be so tiny. Yeah. And then I think about it and I'm like, no, you're insecure. Just like me, you're way into metal. That's why you've got to have this like persona that's bigger than your shell kind mm-hmm. of thing. But yeah, the, that's the other thing is that the answer to what does a radio DJ look like? Nine times out of 10, 
that looks like a guy who runs a head shop, or he looks like one of your parents' friends. Mm-hmm. And one of your parents' friends is inevitably one of the uncoolest things. <laughs> because your parents are uncool, and this is a person who hangs out with them. So you're like, oh, okay. Like, I guarantee you, Casey's kids think I'm uncool. <laughs> and they're probably right. <laughs> I certainly can't comment on that because I don't know. I've never asked them point blank. Is Mike cool? Um, they might try to spare your feelings. They don't think you get an honest. They answer. don't spare my feelings. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I do. What was it that I was listening to? Someone. There was a woman talking about her kids, and she was talking about the shock that one gets when your kids grow past a certain point, and so. They realize that you're mostly full of shit, right? Yeah. That, and they also realize to doubt your authority because they know that part of your authority is completely full of shit. And uh, then they reach the next level where they're over that and they've metabolized that. And they just think that you're so uncool, which is part of like the that's part of like the transition process of them leaving the nest is like not everyone. I'm I, I, not everyone, but most people have this speed bump of a of a part of their life that's turbulent because you're supposed to you're that, that is part of the struggle of being a child and growing up and there was a woman who was like i just don't understand why my 13 year old doesn't think that i'm cool um you know me and my husband we have tattoos we went to shows and I, the only thing i could think of is well maybe ta- having tattoos and going to shows isn't what makes you cool yeah. i don't know <laughs> i know exactly what makes you cool because for the last year and a half i'm finally back to the position that i held in california in the libraries there i'm working with teenagers like specifically again in the library this last week i had to do an instagram takeover for them which means that they actively have to be looking at my face while i'm saying and doing things which of course if you were let's just assume you are if you're listening to this podcast um if you were a geek (laughs) as a teenager um it just brings up all those feelings again of like well how do i be cool and the magic hack is just stop just stop like 100 percent. because it took me several months of like relearning this job that i used to have of being like okay how do i think like them how do i give them what they want blah 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 and at some point i hit it it's just you just you turn do... your chair around yes you yeah. turn it backwards and you do that like youth pastor <laughs> thing which i absolutely do get out of the acoustic guitar no i'm i'm serious though yeah. you double and triple down like as the great man lemmy once said don't back dune double dune don't back dune double dune you just get worse Mm -hmm. you you cringe is powerful and i've come to find that when i just nosedive into cringe is when i'm getting the most responses and interactions and like most genuine expressions like from those teenagers because you've taken the pressure off them a by them knowing that you're an authority figure that really is kind of in their mind toothless. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am. When you're in a public library, I don't have any authority to really punish anybody or do anything to affect their lives at home. So you just go with like, hey, I'm toothless and I'm here and I'm, you know, I'm listening to what you want. And also I'm not cool enough to know what you want. And you just admit that. 
And then they're just constantly like, oh, you're cool. Oh, you're great. Oh, and they like seek you out to tell you things. And you're just like, we didn't know that adults could not give a shit. Oh, my God. That's the magic power. Yeah. That's the thing. You just stop acting like any of it matters. And suddenly they're like, oh, my God, you're right. That that is, I think, the reason why the punk thing for certain shade of human, um, for a certain stripe of human, I guess, the punk thing becomes so attractive at 12 or 13 or something where you activate the 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 mindset that feels so right it feels 100 percent right which is and by the way kids it this doesn't go away it's you're you're still mostly right which is fuck it fuck you none of this makes any sense none of this is to my benefit so fuck it all and like, the majority of it doesn't matter yeah that's the other part is um i i've i've i don't even remember where i heard this or read this but I found it to be largely true. Not true in every sense, <laughs> but in broad strokes true, which is that a punk is somebody who pretends to be mean, but is usually really nice. And a hippie is someone who's usually pretty mean, but pretends to be nice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like remarkably judgmental, yeah. you know, as it goes. It's uh, That's that's the the thing, again, coming out of this pandemic and stuff that's what the teens had been craving is essentially someone to go you were right all along yeah none of this does matter and adults are forced to deal with the reality that all the rules that you were taught to operate upon are actually kind of arbitrary in terms of your own life it's someone else is always figuring out what the rules are and so the best thing you can possibly do is realize that they are fake yeah so there you go. And most of those rules didn't matter before. It's just that the world was less abjectly cruel. Mm-hmm. And you it was easier to have some kind of upward mobility. And that the people who are scolding you are the people that have stripped away the ability and the protections that you had to be able to like own a house and retire someday. And don't worry, they will be dead soon. Yeah. And well, it really depends yeah. on what kind of cruelty, or though when you say that it the world used to be less cruel. It's like your mileage may definitely, definitely vary. vary. On yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd say that's the I'd say the difference between now and then on some forms of cruelty, which is say like in say institutional racism, is that it's the hippie difference, which is that yeah, it's a meanness that pretends to be nice. It's a um it's a rock put on a sidewalk to prevent a homeless guy from sleeping there, but it's been painted for Pride Month. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Anti homeless architecture. But it was so beautifully designed by, you know, that that's happening. So, well, we're hiring artists of color to do these anti-homeless architecture things. So it balances out, right? And it's it's like, so now a houseless what? black guy can't sleep there. This yeah. really makes me upset. I was in, uh, I went to see a movie yesterday, which was in, uh, in addition to the conversation that we had, we had past tense about F for fake. But I went there and lots of things have changed because the city's all half closed down and half destroyed and half being rebuilt. Uh, that's three halves, I realize. Um, three halves of a whole bo- I was yes. I went to the movie theater and sat with there was no other people in the theater with me except for one who left after 10 minutes and uh, of course it had a bunch of commercials which I don't see anymore other than what I get annoyed by YouTube I just don't see watch TV oh you're talking about like that M&M commercial that has been playing uh, in front of movies <laughs> yeah. since about 2002 the one that has Billy West in it has Billy West ah. in it yeah oh there's an easter egg in that that I never would have spotted if I hadn't seen it 300 times, <laughs> there's a part where there's an actor. He's a big dude. I believe he also played 
he wasn't the big guy from that scene in Better Call Saul where the guy who played Trevor got mm-hmm. beat up by uh, by Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might, he looks a lot like him. He's been, he's a character actor, this big bald dude. I see him in everything. Does he play the big M M&M, and M, the peanut M M&M and M, or whatever? No, that peanut M M&M and M is played by J K Simmons. What? Oh, really? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, there's a whole story about how um, I believe I'm I'm I'm, I'm too things two people removed from this story but apparently right. there's an interview where billy west was talking to his wife and she was working on the show oz and she was like <laughs> i've seen this guy and he's just fucking terrifying i don't know this and she's explaining who this guy was because of his character in oz is a fucking like nazi psychopath and she's like oh my god he's terrifying he's terrifying and she finally said who he was and he's like J.K. Simmons, he's the yellow M&M. I work with him. <laughs> but it was, it's that kind of stuff where it's context. What's the, what was the Easter egg? The Easter egg is there's a scene where the Billy West M&M is in uh, a room as like a cop or an FBI agent interrogating this big bald dude. And he's wearing like a jumpsuit like if you work at like a garage. And the name tag on his jumpsuit says Joffrey. <sighs> What? <laughs> From oh Game of God. Thrones. And this commercial is older than the TV show. Whoa. So the person who put that name tag on there was a fan of the books. That's crazy. That's really crazy. <laughs> and, I, I, and if I hadn't seen that, and I'm like, wait a minute. It's like you've, you've, you're going to a movie. You've seen this commercial a thousand times. So you, you're just past the point where you're even paying attention to things anymore. And you're just kind of noticing, this is the point where you start noticing bad CGI and stuff. (laughs) After you've seen it a thousand times, you're looking for anything new. And I saw that and now I can't not see it. (laughs) So the next commercial after Eminem's commercial was, this is a much less funny story, but it was like a commercial that starts off with like, no matter what your skin color is, your gender or who you love, you have the right to be, express yourself or something. And it has all these people like painting and doing all this stuff and drumming and stuff. Um, people that look like people that middle America would be afraid of. Right. That's yeah. the idea. And you don't even know what this commercial is for. And then when the product reveal its life and life water, and you're just like, Oh my God, you're wow. a company that sells plastic that gets thrown away in a half an hour for a thing it's that so, goes for free in your house. So tra- you're so transcendent, <laughs> socially transcendent. You, you know, corporation that exists to sell plastic to be thrown yeah. away. It's so. It's fun. like I was. I I went. It's basically a GoFundMe for the the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I was so fucking mad. I was so mad. So, but I mean, that's every advertisement. I hate to tell you this, but that is the ugly underbelly of all of it. It's buy some plastic shit. Yeah. Sometimes it's plastic shit that you like, but it's, it's always plastic shit and it doesn't even I'm sorry. They should feel bad. Everyone who works at that company should feel bad. Well, I think they should probably seize that company and yeah. own it collectively, yeah. but that's just no, me. I'm just talking to that's the people. Companies. I'm just people who work in the marketing department. You should just feel bad. <laughs> Whoa, God. That's the thing is that I, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's a good way to be an advertising person. You are selling something bad uh, almost across the board, especially if you have any kind of budget. <laughs> good things don't get a budget. <laughs> and happy people don't need to buy things as much. Yeah. There you go. Radio vs. the Martians is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Valverde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran, and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music is written and performed by James Wetzel. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, 
Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Todd Maxfield Matsumoto. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And you can always find us online at RadioVersusTheMartians.com. Fellow kids. What? 